um, and advocacy information on our website. And you have been listening to Prison Pipeline. Prison Pipeline is a weekly program that covers all issues related to prisons and to uh, the issues of justice. So thank you very much, and we will see you next week. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are official. Guess Who's Coming to Radio is now three hours. Every second and fourth Thursday from 7 to 10 p.m., we will continue to use the airwaves as a tool of positivity, awareness, and proactivity. We have a platform, and we intend to use it to encourage liberation. Many of us in the struggle for African liberation need a positive soundtrack, so music and words which feed the mind, body, and spirit are welcome here. Your support all these years have moved us to always strive to do better radio. And now you get one more hour. Again, stay tuned every second and fourth Thursday from 7 to 10 p.m. for Guess Who's Coming to Radio on KBU, your community radio. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Oregon Cannabis Growers Fair starting Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. and ending Sunday, August 14th, 2016 at 4 p.m. at the Oregon State Fairgrounds in Salem. For the first time ever, Oregon's producers will be able to display live plants at the Cannabis Fair. Over 60 grows will be showcased this year, and there will be awards for the winning plants in several categories. Again, that's the Oregon Cannabis Growers Fair starting Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. and ending Sunday, August 14th at 4 p.m. at the Oregon State Fairgrounds, 2330 17th Street, Northeast in Salem. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. It's 7.02 p.m. You're listening to KBOO Portland. It's time for Hard Knock Radio.
Peace. This is Brother Africa Bambada, Godfather of Hip Hop Culture. You want to know what to call me? Well, in Alabama, they call me Sweet Mac the Sugar Man. In Georgia, they call me Dabba Sugar Mac. In Texas, they call me Mac the Candy Man. But you can just call me Sweets. And you're listening to Hard Knock Radio. And keep on keeping on, as Miss Hema would say. Yo, peace. This is the gift of gas. It's the mighty Chief XL. They lost soul, y'all. Mm-hmm. We're chilling on Hard Knock Radio. This is Yuri Kuchiyama. This is Dolores Huerta. This is Sarah Jones, and you're listening to Hard Knock Radio. Sarah Jones, and I'm out. David D, Hard Knock Radio, hanging out with you this afternoon. And we are here, down down here in lovely Lake Merritt, hanging with a couple of people, one of them from the Congo, my other man here from Washington, D.C. And y'all are doing some big doing. So, first of all, introduce yourself and introduce our guests. Yes, uh, and then let's talk about um, some of the big things that's happening in the Congo and what you all are doing. Uh, sure. Thanks, uh, David D, for having us on. This is uh, Maurice Carney, um, co-founder, executive director of Friends of the Congo. And uh, my Congolese um, colleague here is uh, Ben. Uh, Kabamba, uh, he's a coordinator of a youth group inside the Congo called Youth for a New Society. He's also administrator of a coalition of organizations called Filimbi. And we're on our Breaking the Silence speaker store here in uh, the Bay Area, um, hitting up uh, different universities, schools, community centers, um, companies, where we're educating people about what's transpiring in the Congo and uh, why um, Congo is important, why uh, Congo matters, why people ought to be engaged. You know, we don't cover as much about the Congo as maybe somebody like Walter Turner who does Africa Today. Um, so for a lot of our listeners, they know the name, um, but they might not know all the intricacies of what's going on. And, you know, when we get into certain countries within Africa, uh, it's always hard to tell, you know, which which way do we roll. So could you just maybe briefly give us uh, Congo 101? What, sure. what, what should we absolutely know right now? Sure. Uh, Congo 101. Congo is central to the future of the African continent. Uh, Congo was key uh, for the carving up of uh, Africa from an 1885 Berlin conference. It was also called the Congo Conference. So from that time to the present, uh, Congo has Congo has been vital uh, to the development of Africa. In fact, um, in 1960, uh, the United States, um, its uh, first country it intervened in post-independence Africa was the Congo, where it overthrew and collaborated in the assassination of Patrice Emery Lumumba. We're just finding out officially. Mm -hmm. I mean, people had had always suspected, but now... It's been a f- it's been uh, confirmed and it's official news now right. that the U.S. Uh, killed Patrice Lumumba. And, and for people who don't know, who is Lumumba? That why do we need to know him? Uh, Lumumba is someone that uh, if you listen to any of Malcolm X's speeches, he almost always talked about uh, Lumumba. He was Congo's independence hero, uh, first democratically elected prime minister. He was a nationalist, a pan-Africanist, and internationalist. He, uh, Lumumba falls in line with figures like Kwame Nkrumah. Uh, figures like uh, Thomas uh, Sankara. Uh, Lumumba is an uh, independence um, hero of, uh, of the Democratic Republic of Congo. He was assassinated on January 17, 1961. And uh, people may be familiar uh, with his story here because uh, when black folks here found out about his assassination, they stormed the United Nations. We're talking about people like uh, Maya Angelou, uh, Max Roach, Amiri Baraka. Uh, they were all strong supporters of Lumumba. When they found out he was um, killed with the complicity of the CIA, uh, they, they locked down. They shut down the United
United Nations um, in February of uh, 1961. And that's not well-known news for a lot of people. That's, uh, no, been, that's been, you don't see it on the PBS documentaries. No, you don't <laughs> see it on the PBS documentaries. In fact, uh, at the time in the 60s, you had uh, a lot of our uh, leading figures, whether um, our artists, our intellectuals, our mu- musicians, you name it, they were in touch with what, what was taking place on the African continent. They were trying to connect uh, with Africa. And we've lost that to some degree, and that's one of the reasons why we're here, David D., to try and reconnect uh, black folks here on, uh, in the U.S. Uh, to what's transpiring on the African continent, to let them know uh, what folks like Malcolm and Martin and Maya and all of them in the 1960s fought for in trying to make that connection uh, with uh, the African continent still exist today. The factors uh, and uh, uh, forces that were at play separating us, uh, controlling the African continent, are still at play today, and young people on the African continent are reaching out to young people here to try and esta- reestablish that connection. One of the... Um First, I want to hold that thought because um, one of the ways in which this connection is happening is through hip hop, yeah. and we're going to build with uh, with with Ben in a minute. Yes. Uh, but I want to go back just so we understand with the Congo. Uh, for the average person, what we kind of know is that there's a conflict there. Mm-hmm. There's a conflict the way that they had a diamond conflict, you know, right. conflict diamonds in Congo. It's conflict minerals, right. and that a lot of us who have cell phones and computers. Um, are connected to the Congo in that way. Um, And it's interesting because what we've been told is that many of these minerals have been gotten off the death of our brothers and sisters in the Congo. And yet people will say, you know, they support, you know, uh, Africa, they have black pride, all that sort of stuff. But a lot, a lot of people aren't willing to give up their cell phones if they know it's made with conflict <laughs> right. minerals. Right. So can you walk us maybe through that for a second? Sure, sure. Just let me provide a little context. Uh, Congo, right, is arguably the richest country in the planet. Um, there's an estimated $24 trillion worth of natural resources in the Congo. To give you a sense of what that's like, it's like the GNP of uh, both the United States and the European Union combined. Um, it's located in the heart of Africa, uh, bordered by nine African countries, uh, and the size of Western Europe. And it's really the fulcrum in which the African continent swings. Now, those natural resources, some of them include uh, a resource called coltan, right? Congo is about 64% of the world's reserve of coltan. Once it's refined and processed, it's utilized in uh, many of our electronic devices, especially your cell phones, laptops, uh, iPods, um, iPhone, you name it. Uh, Coltan is found in these um, resources. Now, as a result of um, major corporations trying to scramble for get those resources, estimated 6 million people have lost their lives in the Congo since 1996. Not too many people know about it. Now, Congolese are not asking that you stop using your cell phone. Uh, What they're striving for is for control of their country. The young people are organizing so that they can control their country, bring an end to the conflict, and utilize those resources for the development of Congo itself and for Africa overall, because it has enough uh, to provide for the entire African continent, actually to provide for the entire African world. So they're not asking you to stop doing something, you know, using your cell phone all, but they're asking you to support their movement because they believe if they're successful in um, controlling and determining the affairs of the Congo, then they can use, start to utilize those resources for their benefit and for the benefit of Africa overall. Now, when we say support, we don't yeah. always know, and we know that because the U.S. has always intervened, they will present us 
leaders and people who to who to talk to right. you know so we know you through Walter Turner in Africa right. today so we know that you've already been vetted right. <laughs> right, right, right. so we can talk here you know but for a lot of people we don't know but I think what's been exciting is that many young folks um, first of all the majority of people are young right. in, in many of the countries so we should make sure that people understand that and hip-hop has been a major major force and i think it's kind of hard for folks here to wrap themselves around that because hip-hop is so commercialized Mm -hmm. and so corporate dominated now Mm -hmm. that we that we don't always see front and center the organizers and how people participate uh, in many of the other disciplines connected to hip-hop, you know, the dancing, the turntablism and all that. And so, you know, we, we turn on the, the radio, or we watch TV, and we see a reality show with an artist that is, you know, backed and financed by a corporation that doesn't have, won't even talk about Africa, right, much right. less, you know, domestic problems here. But what I found when I've traveled around the world, and, and, and as you are, and been here to test. You know, hip hop is a major, major, is is a big movement. So let's let's kind of jump into that and and talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you say um, here, hip hop has been commercialized, right? Um, on the African continent, hip hop has been politicized. Uh, that is to say, it's a vehicle for political education. Whether we're talking about the youth in Senegal, uh, youth in Burkina Faso, who just um, mobilized to overthrow um, one of the figures that have been backed by the West, Blaise Compaore, um, the children of what uh, we call Sankara, Thomas Sankara, who was assassinated uh, by Blaise Compaore uh, and uh, backed up by, by France, uh, he has given birth uh, to political, ideological birth, let's say. And they, the youth in Burkina Faso have used hip-hop in order to mobilize, to educate, uh, to organize, and to change the political landscape there. And they're doing the same thing in the Congo. And Ben can speak to how hip-hop is being used in the Congo as a tool for education, as a tool for mobilization, as a tool for getting people politically involved, and as a tool for transforming society. You know, um, I'm going to direct my first question to you, Ben. And for people that's listening, um, uh, uh, Maurice will translate, so we're not going to hear on the air your full language okay. speaking. We'll hear the part of it, and then Maurice, then Maurice uh, translating. And that's not to do any slight to no, Ben, because no, 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 he no. he's very articulate and can yeah. speak for himself, but it's a time thing right, on right. the air. So um, so my, my first question is, um, when did you become aware of hip-hop, and is hip-hop something, once you were aware of it, from the U.S., was it something that you were able to listen to or hear or see and say, oh, we've been doing this this type of stuff for centuries? Because here in the U.S., many of us trace many of the expressions in hip-hop all the way back to various places in Africa, especially the spoken word and emceeing aspect, you know, the dance moves as well. So when, when, when we started to blow up here, did you all go, oh, this is kind of like something that we always been doing? Okay. Okay. Um découvert hip hop ça fait plus de 20 ans aujourd'hui. It's been 20 years since I've discovered uh, hip hop. Et j'étais encore petit. I was young. Et j'ai vu de, de, de grandes personnes uh, être fâchées quand ils chantent, ils sont fâchés. Et je me dis mais pourquoi chaque fois qu'ils chantent, ils sont fâchés Qu'est-ce qui se passe And I saw the major hip hop artists and they were uh, very expressive. They were like angry and he was asking why are they so expressive and angry. Et uh, je, je me suis approché pour savoir mais c'est quoi cet art là et 
ils m'ont expliqué c'était quoi l'hip-hop et j'ai compris que c'était une arme qu'ils étaient en train d'utiliser. Je lui ai demandé, qu'est-ce que c'était l'hip-hop Qu'est-ce que ces artistes faisaient Et une fois qu'il a découvert ce que l'hip-hop était, il a vu ça comme un instrument, un instrument pour lutter, la musique qui a été utilisée par les jeunes gens pour lutter. Et ils m'ont présenté l'hip-hop comme la voix d'Isali, en fait, comme la voix de la libération où un peuple veut son identité et il utilise le hip-hop pour cela. And I saw um, hip-hop as a form of resistance, a, a form of self-expression, a form of um, articulating uh, the identity of, um, of the youth, of the oppressed. Et uh, ils, vont, ils, vont, ils vont me présenter uh, une autre face de hip-hop qui est uh, toute une religion en fait. C'est uh, vraiment spirituel et physique pour la liberté et en plus c'est la voix des sans-voix. I also saw hip hop as a, a spiritual um, form of expression, uh, as an art um, that uh, can be utilized um, to give voice to the voiceless. I was immediately uh, attracted to it, and um, it became a part of my life, and it's been a part of my life right up to today. Et um, chez nous, le hip hop uh, est vraiment uh, ancré dans la population parce que quand on a vu le hip hop, on a dit ça c'est notre truc. Qui est fait ailleurs. So when we saw hip hop, um, it really, um, we really were drawn to it because uh, what we we saw it as um, African expression that was taking place abroad. So we saw the expressions as being grounded in the roots of Africa. Let me ask you this, um, and this, you know, we're talking with Maurice and Ben, Ben from the Congo, Maurice, friends of the Congo here in the U.S. is where he's based. Right now, the music you hear in the background, you may hear it a little bit, is that of the Capoeira folks, right? right? Out of Brazil. And I bring that up because, you know, early on, um, I remember growing up in New York, the Brazilian troops came to, you know, Harlem, you know. And even though we don't make the direct connection to the dancing, there was still that awareness mm -hmm. uh, of, of Capoeira and all that in the early 70s uh, or mid-70s at least, I should say. And, you know, that's a dominant, uh, you know, form of expression that was used as a weapon, absolutely, right? Absolutely. So you being from the Congo, when you see these folks doing their capoeira right now, you know, do you see that African connection there? You know, because, you know, usually the, the conversation is with us in the U.S. and Africa, but how about Africa and Brazil, Brazil right. since we got these Brazilian folks doing their capoeira right now? Um... Quand, quand, quand je suis ici, j'ai senti la musique et je, je me suis un peu senti comme chez moi. Et que, il y a quelque chose qui me lie avec ça et surtout le rythme, le tam-tam. Donc c'est vraiment quelque chose de chez nous. When I hear the music, I feel like I'm at home, um, especially when you listen to the drumming that's taking place. That's uh, drumming that you actually hear in the Congo. So uh, I feel totally at home. I see the connection between the capoeira and the drumming that's taking place right now and what we experience in the Congo. Et um, le, le Brésil, nous, nous voyons le Brésil comme une autre face de l'Afrique et de, de l'Afrique centrale surtout. Et aussi, c'est de la même manière que le jeune, on vit Tupac comme leur frère. Uh, so we see um, uh, Brazil uh, as another aspect or a phase of um, uh, African life. Um, we see them as our brothers and sisters, much in the same fashion when we look at artists here in the U.S. like Tupac and saw how he's ex expressed himself. We say, oh, that's our brother right there. You know, um, here in the U.S., you know, music and our expressions as it shows up 
in our oratory, you know, when it, we're rapping and singing. Uh, even our art on the wall, you know, that is called aerosol art or graffiti, commonly known. These things are packaged up in there, commodified in, you know, and it's like, oh, that's a beautiful song. Your rage is great. Let's package it up and sell it. But from a Congolese perspective, can you talk about the non-commodification of these expressions? You know, in other words, is it a big leap to use music as a weapon, to use dance as a weapon? Just kind of looking back at what the Brazilians were doing with Capoeira, you know, the moves and the dance were like, of course, this is what we do. We always use these expressions as weapon, and they're not just to be bought and sold on the market. So how, do, how does that naturally, or, or how does that play out in, in Congo? No, no, no. Nous nous avons gardé l'originalité. Donc, le hip-hop au Congo, c'est une arme pour la justice. Et on ne peut pas acheter la justice. On ne peut pas monétiser cela. So we've kept the roots of uh, hip-hop. Uh, in the Congo, when we utilize it, um, it's an uh, arm um, uh, of resistance and it's an instrument um, for justice. And uh, when you have uh, such an art form that's an instrument for justice, it's not something that can be sold. So you can't sell justice. You only pursue justice. Il y, a, il y a par exemple des de musiciens aujourd'hui, beaucoup ils sont là, ils chantent que la femme, de l'argent, de futilité. Pour nous, ce n'est pas ça le hip-hop. Ok, so we, there are a lot of musicians though that uh, use music to, to sing uh, for material things, um, about women. And, but for us, um, hip-hop is for justice. We, it's a music of uh, liberation. How do you keep it from becoming commercialized? Because that's what happened here. How do you keep? How do you keep uh, it politicized? Because there were definitely attempts here, and, and, and you know, to some degree, at least on a, among our top artists, um, they were able to depoliticize them. Um, vous savez, ici, le musicien le plus célèbre à hip hop, uh, s'ils étaient entre, ils l'avaient gardé l'esprit de hip-hop, beaucoup d'injustices qui se passent ici, que je veux um, comme Michael Brown ça ne pouvait pas se passer comme ça so si here, les gens comme Lil Wayne les gens comme uh, 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 Jay-Z les gens comme uh, Puff Daddy ils étaient vraiment engagés des choses comme ça, on aurait évité ça facilement et c'est ça que nous évitons So he believes that um, if the major artists here, um, like Lil Wayne and um, Puff Daddy, Jay-Z and others um, were to uh, utilize hip-hop as an instrument to fight for justice. Some of the injustices that are being seen here, like uh, Michael Brown being gunned down, um, may have may uh, be prevented. He figured if these major figures were involved in utilizing hip-hop as a tool to fight for justice, it would help to advance the cause of uh, black folks here. Here, many people have equated having lots of money as being... Uh, a sign of success and in many ways a powerful tool if you do make this money um, to be able to do things. Now, we saw that maybe utilized effectively by Harry Belafonte. It's like, let me sing these songs, I'll take this money and then I'll use it to fund the civil rights movement. Um, we, we haven't necessarily seen that um, with the top artists today, but one might ask, you know, having a sense of financial independence uh, is a way to really fight 
uh, for justice here. Do, is it, how does how does how do they take that understanding in, in the Congo? Ah, okay, ça c'est une très bonne question. Okay. Very good question. Um, nous avons un objectif avec les pop et l'objectif c'est la liberté, le changement. Maintenant, si les gens we have, a, we have an objective with uh, hip-hop. It's for using, utilizing it for change and utilizing it for liberation. Et si euh, le, la voie pour le changement a besoin de beaucoup de moyens, et moyens financiers, matériels, etc., si d'autres personnes pensent qu'ils peuvent utiliser um, le hip-hop pour trouver de l'argent et soutenir la cause, ça c'est aussi à, à avoir garder en fait l'objectif de, de hip hop. So, so seeing that the objective of hip hop is for um, for change and for liberation, if others, other artists see uh, as an option gaining money, um, utilizing hip hop and then taking that money um, to support uh, change and liberation, then that's another means for achieving the same objective. Et aujourd'hui beaucoup l'argent les ont fait perdre l'objectif. Et vous avez donné un exemple, c'est depuis des, des années 50. And today, what we've seen um, is that those who have gained a lot of uh, resources, money, um, they haven't actually kept to the objective. They haven't supported the objective, the objective of change and liberation. Mais si on utilise cet argent pour la cause, ça, c'est le hip-hop. If they utilize this uh, money for the cause, uh, then that's uh, a good use of hip-hop. But um, what we've seen is that other artists, um, they, the artists who have gained the money, they ha we haven't seen them utilize it for that. If you're just tuning in, it's Hard Knock Radio. We're talking with uh, Maurice, and we're talking with Ben. Ben is out of the Congo, and Maurice is uh, part of an organization called Friends of the Congo. And we're talking with them this afternoon and getting, you know, digging deep yeah. in terms of how uh, they are organizing. Uh, ben is here in the States um, doing a speak-out. We should let people know there were scheduled to be four or five people coming over here from the Congo. Right. But um, what we take for granted in terms of us being able to get on a plane and go somewhere... Um, it's not that way in many parts of the world. And, and Ben was the only one that was allowed in. Yes. You know, you, I mean, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, that's uh, that's the rule. You know, um, most young people, uh, especially come from Africa, are not allowed to. They don't get visas. It's uh, very difficult to get visas. And that's another way of creating a barrier between our brothers and sisters on the continent and us here. Uh, because um, the number of young people who would like to come and share their stories, you know, uh, about what they're doing, uh, the movements that they're involved in, uh, uh, directly, uh, I mean, there's no substitute, uh, David, uh, for sitting down with you here or for being downtown San Francisco like we were um, the other night or being at uh, uh, Sacramento State or University of San Francisco, the face-to-face -face connection so people can feel you, uh, they can um, hear directly from you. Um, but uh, it's very difficult uh, for, for young Africans to make it over here uh, to engage their uh, fellow brothers and sisters here in the United States. What is the image like of, you know, young black folks here? Um, you know what is what is shown over there. What what images are exported over to the Congo? And I ask is just remembering that when I was in places like Beirut and even in Kenya, uh, people were very surprised at certain things. Like you know they 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 called the music that was commercialized here when we were in places like Kibera and Thaida Nairobi. They were saying like. You know, why do so many people listen to colonizer music? Mm. You know, and I thought that was very interesting yeah. because they felt like a lot of that, you know, was meaningless music that, right. that was being embraced. And, and in Beirut, people were very surprised mm. that BET, for example, mm -hmm. which is shown over there, mm -hmm. 
wasn't owned by black folks. That was a, you know, there was a lot of question and conversation about that. And of course, of the images right, that right. were coming across, like, you know, they were asking, well, all these people got all this money. They're throwing it at the camera. Why don't they own BET? So right, right. I'm curious as to what images of black folks come across to you all in the Congo. Um, à la télé, c'est que nous suivons des États-Unis là-bas, c'est... Um uh, c'est la puissance des États-Unis. Ce que nous suivons, c'est que il um, n'y uh, a pas de problème avec les Noirs américains à l'extérieur. C'est ce que nous voyons. Uh, what we see uh, on the television um, is the power of um, the United States. Uh, when we see on television that's shown in, uh, in the Congo is that there is no problem. Everything is cool. Everything is copacetic here with uh, black folks in, uh, in, in America. Et ce que nous voyons que les Noirs sont trop riches dans le hip-hop. Nous, nous voyons les cash money, nous voyons de musique, aga money, ils chantent l'argent, l'argent, mais on ne voit pas ce que cet argent l'a fait. Okay, so they see um, that everybody has money, you know, through the hip-hops. You know, we see uh, we're presented with uh, folks like Cash Money, and um, everybody's uh, got a lot of money, but it's not showing what's done with this money that's uh, being um, presented on the on the images in the television. Uh, that's that's all, that's what all we see, you know, uh, on the television. That's uh, that Cash Money image. How were you able to uh, break through that image and know that there was something else? Uh, for people who don't know, Ben is getting ready to go to Ferguson and sit down with many of the, the people that we've had on over the, you know, the past few months around Mike Brown. Um, we know that the folks from Ferguson have traveled around. They've been to Palestine, uh, Brazil, you know. So there's been these very deliberate connections. Many of, uh, many of the folks, um, both from New York, Chicago, and Ferguson, met at the UN, you know, in Geneva. So there's been these uh, attempts to bridge these gaps in a very deliberate way. We know tonight uh, there are a number of folks from here that just got paid. This is Saturday night that we're doing this uh, conversation. We know that there are a number of uh, artists uh, who just got back from Africa, different countries, that are going to be doing a, a talk back today to communicate. So we know that there are these connections being made. Uh, but let's talk about, uh, you know, how are you able to break through those images to know that there's something deeper and let's talk about the connections that you, the youth that, that, that you represent how they're, how they're making connections here in the state. Première question c'est que si on a gardé cela parce que uh, la racine de hip hop uh, c'est dans les origines c'est dans notre sens. Okay so um, we are um, you know familiar with hip hop because uh, the really the roots of hip hop are actually on the African, uh, African continent. Um, so when um, images come uh, across like that, uh, for me personally, or for him personally, um, was able to um, uh, prevent getting caught up in that because we know the roots of um, hip hop. We know it's um, you know for liberation um, and for change. Um, so we were able to resist um, you know the uh, imposition of uh, uh, of that image of uh, of making money and that's all it's about. But you're also aware of the. Uh you're also aware of how the U.S. will try to distort truth. Because mm -hmm. definitely, you know, like, the image we get of Africa mm -hmm. is fly-infested. Everybody mm -hmm. is totally poor. Mm -hmm. We're told it's corrupt, and the folks there can't govern themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if we send a couple of quarters over, you know, yeah, everybody, so will be, okay. everybody will be okay. Yeah. So, the, you know, so, but many people here aren't always aware 
that these are gross distortions of what's going on um, throughout the continent. So, you know, but, you know, my experience has been a lot of people in other places are a little bit more politicized, but I was... You know. um, pour la première question que j'avais laissée ici, je dois répondre en disant que. Um, you wanted to respond to a question before about the the link between uh, Africans and African Americans. C'est une très bonne nouvelle que les jeunes gens d'ici commencent à s'intéresser à ce qui se passe à l'extérieur de leur continent. So you think it's, it's good that um, young people here are traveling to Brazil, to Palestine. Et traveling to Africa, trying to make that connections. That's really good for them. Première chose, j'aimerais peut-être les rencontrer. Deuxième chose, j'aimerais les inviter à pouvoir voir réellement s'il faut agir en Afrique, il faut passer par le Congo et comprendre le géopolitique, le géostratégique du Congo avant d'agir en Afrique. Quand vous allez en Afrique sans passer par le Congo, c'est comme si vous n'avez pas vraiment résolu le vrai problème d'Afrique. So he said this is really key that um, you know he looks forward to meeting the young people in in Ferguson. Um, it's great to see um, young people um, you know visiting different African countries. But in order to fully understand uh, the geopolitical dynamics that are at play, uh, it's necessary to um, to go to the Congo because Congo is central to the to the future of the African uh, African continent. Et, uh, les images qu'on voit de l'Afrique comme des mouches, etc. Ça, c'est de la propagande, tout simplement, parce que l'Afrique est celle-là aujourd'hui, parce qu'il y a une force étrangère sur l'Afrique qui fait beaucoup de mal. Alors, si on donne la vraie information aux gens sur l'Afrique, uh, les gens risquent de comprendre le mal que leurs gouvernements font à l'extérieur. So he said, um, those images that you talk about in showing Africans um, with the flies and poverty, um, he said that's, um, you know, right straight out and out uh, propaganda. Um, because if um, people were to truly understand what is taking place in terms of uh, the foreign imposition and the foreign intervention on the African continent, uh, then that would help to um, uh, raise the consciousness of, uh, of people. And actually, to the point where people here uh, in the United States will start questioning their government and in Europe about their actions on the African continent and how um, the foreign policy of the United States and European nations have worked uh, to keep uh, uh, Africa um, in, a, in a weakened position. Oui, um, quand on présente cette Afrique de cette manière-là, il faudrait aussi chercher la vraie information. C'est pour cela que je dis peut-être nous connecter avec ce jeune gens-là et comprendre le Congo, ce serait intéressant. Et aussi... Um, ces jeunes gens ou les le gens ici qui veulent comprendre l'Afrique doivent lire les grandes personnalités dans l'histoire. So it's key um, for young people here um, to do their due diligence and go beyond the propaganda and get to the real information about what is transpiring on the African continent. And they can use um, as models by studying their history. Look at how Malcolm X approached um, Africa. Malcolm X didn't talk about um, trees and um, talk about um, flies and, you know, um, you know, charity. Malcolm X um, exposed uh, the geopolitical um, dynamics that were at play uh, in terms of um, you know US foreign policy and uh, and uh, and the role that US was playing in the, on the continent look at um, read up on Che Guevara and see what Che Guevara did when he went to the Congo why did Che Guevara go to the Congo so um, he's exhort exhorting uh, young people here um, to, to do at least two things one go beyond the propaganda 
find out more information, do due diligence, and two, do uh, research on, on their history. Look at major figures who have engaged the African continent, like Malcolm X and Che Guevara, and see what they did, and that can serve as a guide for them being engaged on the African continent. Oui, il faudrait aussi aller rencontrer Mohamed Ali qui est vivant. Il est allé combattre euh, au Congo. Son combat entre Ali Forman, c'était au Congo. Et les images que vous avez vues, il n'y avait pas des animaux. Uh, so even looking at um, you know the uh, the rumble in the jungle with uh, Ali and Foreman in, in when they fought in the Congo in 1974, um, you know follow that those uh, images weren't of animals and um, you know poor people with flies. I gave a different view of um, of the Congo. But we also know that information is key, and so there's distortion of information. Exactly what would I be following? You know, I mean, do I want to look at a Susan Rice? Mm. who's the ambassador mm. and, you know, an architect mm. behind AFRICOM because mm. that's a black face right. and that's a very nefarious right. type of individual. Right. Uh, right. Do I want to look at, you know, the continuation of those policies, you know, that, you know, get launched under Clinton and Bush and continue with Obama? Right. You know, who is right. African, you know? Right. Uh, so, you know, what, what particular things should we be drawing out mm-hmm. And, you know, not to diminish the importance of Malcolm and Che, mm-hmm. but that's 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got, you know, you got several generations moved. So who do we look to today mm-hmm. to to get an understanding? You know, because if I look at some of the leaders today, uh, I definitely wouldn't even be having this conversation. <laughs> we would be like, we need to be in the Congo. And because what are they telling us? They're telling us not to even go to the Congo because we might get killed. It's right, dangerous there. Right. That's what we're being told. You know, if you go to, if you want to go to Congo, you got to fill out forms, and right. they actually have a warning. Right. Like, you know, it's a dangerous country. <laughs> wow. Oui, um, j'ai déjà répondu à cette question. C'est se connecter avec les jeunes qui sont là en Afrique et qui sont au Congo, tels que nous autres et d'autres jeunes qui sont là-bas. Il y a le Friends of the Congo ici pour savoir un peu beaucoup sur le Congo et mesurer les dangers. Okay, so. Um, um, you want to um, connect with friends of the Congo, connect with us, you know, um, they're on social media, um, so seek, seek alternative uh, information. But um, he also said that, um, you know, uh, take a look at it. How is it that the U.S. is telling you it's dangerous to, to go to the Congo? But um, there are people that the U.S. Embassy is there in the Congo, uh, USAID is there in the Congo, uh, National Endowment for Democracy, NDI. All of these people are in the Congo, but they're telling you not to go to Congo. So how dangerous is it really if they're there themselves and yet they're telling you not to go? Et l'exemple à suivre pour bien comprendre le Congo, c'est se connecter directement avec les Congolais. Et pour comprendre, il faut seulement rentrer dans l'histoire pour bien projeter l'avenir. Donc l'exemple à suivre, c'est dans l'histoire et dans le présent, il y a les, beaucoup de héros, mais ils sont méconnus parce que le monde est dirigé à double vitesse. Alors quand on part en Afrique, on ne doit pas aller aider les pauvres, mais on va participer à une élite. Right, so again, um, it's uh, again you connect with the with the young people, connect with us. Uh, that's one way. Uh, and what's the name of the group? Uh, the name of the group, Youth for a New Society, uh, and they're using the hashtag Telema. So, the tele- how do you spell that? T E L E M A. Telema means rise up. It's a Lingala word that means rise up. So, uh, just like you can uh, connect on the hashtag using Black Lives Matter, you can also use uh, Telema to see what's happening with the young people, get good information about what's going on on the on the African continent, uh, and, and particularly what's going on in uh, in the Congo. You, um, I know that you all have been expanding yes. that definition of what it means when we say Black Lives Matter. You all have been meeting with folks. 
what 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 what's your take on that yeah I, no that's really interesting um uh black lives matter uh, a few things uh it's a very powerful um articulation or powerful affirmation and it's an affirmation um that ought not to be restricted uh to the confines of the United States when you say black lives matter you're talking about we talked earlier we saw the young uh, brothers and sisters doing capoeira black lives got to matter in brazil too you know um uh black lives got to matter in in you know in brazil where there's a uh, 100 million black folks uh black lives got to matter in colombia you know who uh, where black folks are suffering from the same ravages uh that uh folks are suffering from on the african continent in terms of them living on rich land and being exploited so uh black lives matter means that when there's 6 million black people dead in the heart of africa uh 6 million black people dead in the land and the origin of black people then you have to say something about it um you have to um advocate uh, around it you have to break the silence um so black lives matter means to us that it's a global affair not just something that's restricted uh, to the united states and black lives matter really come out of um it's a statement and a affirmation because black lives have been devalued um in the united states and what we say is that as long as black lives are devalued anywhere in the world they'll be devalued everywhere in the world the expression of the devaluing of black life um in the united states is that mike brown gets gunned down in the street and doesn't get any justice um eric garner gets um choked in in staten island doesn't um uh, get get any justice uh we have uh, a number of examples right here in uh, in oakland you know oscar grant you know uh, gets gunned down on the bart doesn't get justice so the devaluing of black life in the united states is expressed in um in the criminal justice system in the gunning down of black people the devaluing of black life on the african continent um particularly in the congo is expressed when millions of black people can lose their lives in a scramble for their wealth and the world is silent so when we say black lives matter um the ultimate articulation of it um is uh what's transpiring on the african continent because in the final analysis uh, our fate as black people throughout the globe is tied to whatever Afri- happens on the african continent whether we believe it or not or know it or not that's the way it is that is the voice of uh, maurice carney who is with the organization friends of the congo and ben akandada who is out of the congo talking to them about hip hop hip hop movement social justice and what is going on in the Congo we're going to take a musical break we're going to come back and continue our conversation
for one rock rebel putting hits on the devil. And when I'm not listening to Hard Knock Radio, I'm out painting this urban canvas we call the Bay Area with some fly pieces. On the move, this is Pam Africa on Hard Knock Radio, the station of resistance. Down with this rotten ass system. Stay tuned to Hard Knock Radio. Well, here in the U.S., and when, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Maurice. Maurice is with Friends of the Congo. We're also talking with Ben from the Congo. Here in the U.S., you know, uh, there may be a few black faces, uh, but they represent white supremacy at the end of the day. And there's white infrastructure, white politic, white, you know, uh, resources mm. that, you know, that loan to that devaluation. But when we look at very places on the continent, six million people dead is not the U.S. with a white face coming in there and killing six million. It's black faces, right? right? That that may have a position that says president or, right. you know, whatever. So how do we decipher that? Right, right. You know, and this is where the stereos. Well, they, 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 let's, uh, let's really unpack that, right? That's uh, a really important question to uh, to understand. Um, first of all, um, that white power structure. Uh, that you talk about, right? Um, it's critical to understand that that white power structure is not limited by the confines of the United States. It's global in scope, right? White supremacy is a global phenomenon. It's not just something that's confined to the United States or even to Europe. So this is what happens. Um, Congo is spectacularly wealthy in natural resources, right? Um, and those resources are vital to the functioning of different um, sectors of uh, the U.S. and the West economy, the military, uh, aerospace, technology, you name it. And the U.S. and other Western powers want to guarantee access to those resources. So what they do is they identify individuals um, on the African continent that they believe are going to serve their interests, right? These individuals are in the minority, right? Um, for example, the war in the Congo was driven by uh, the leaders of Rwanda and Uganda, who are staunch allies of the United States. So what do they do? They get their training in U.S. schools, right? Uh, U.S. military schools. Paul Kagame, for example, president of Rwanda. Yaru Museveni, his son, in, uh, got, was trained at Fort Leavenworth. In addition to that, the United States provide them with military equipment, right? So you have a small minority that's now backed up by the greatest power in the world uh, through this military equipment. The U.S. provides them with intelligence. The U.S. provides them with training. The U.S. provides them with money. So when you have a small group of people, um, black people, right, um, numbering in the thousands, and they have plugged into this system, then they can control and dominate millions of other black people. Sounds right? like a black version of Israel. Black version, exactly, exactly, exactly. In fact, uh, author that you know, Vijay um, Prashad, wrote a piece um, dealing with that, comparing Gaza to Goma, and showing how U.S. support for, um, for Israel was um, uh, similar to U.S. support for Rwanda and Uganda in uh, causing chaos and uh, havoc um, in, the, in the Congo. So you ha it's, it's a situation where you have a small minority of black folks who are dominating the rest. Not only do they provide that support, um, David E., but uh, you talked about Susan Rice earlier and um, the Clinton administration. During the Clinton administration, um, both Susan Rice uh, and Bill Clinton developed what they call the Renaissance Leaders of Africa. It's an um, a image that they presented to the world of select African leaders. Um, Paul Kagame of Rwanda, Yaru Museveni of Uganda. And these leaders 
for all intents and purposes, are sociopaths. They committed all kinds of crime um, in the Congo. But uh, the Clinton administration, what they did, the crimes that were committed locally were cleansed on the global scale. Uh, that is to say, the U.S. provided diplomatic and political cover for these people who were doing the killing so that um, they couldn't be brought to justice, so that they wouldn't be held to account. So you cannot separate um, the loss of life in the Congo from U.S. foreign policy and the role that that has played in um, creating havoc. Um, it's just like um, here in the, in, the, in the U.S., in our inner cities. Not every um, black person is on the up and up. Some people, are, you know, they may be dealing, uh, they may be um, involved in, um, you know, uh, negative actions that uh, affect the community uh, in, a, in a negative way. Uh, I believe there was a, a newspaper here a number of years ago. Um, the brother, um, the, the white dude lost his life. I think it was a San Jose Mercury News or something. Right. Read, Gary Webb. Gary Webb, right? He talked about how um, the the hand behind um, the crack trade in the in the U.S. and how the, the the CIA and the government was involved in supporting folks and destroying the communities. So the same thing um, um, that, that and that's funny. Here. We're going to be meeting with uh, Rick Ross in a little bit. There you go. So, <laughs> so, so, he's in so, town. So, yeah. The same. So we're going to be talking right. with him. In right. Yeah. So those local um, you know tactics that take place here in Oakland and in the U.S. are used on a global scale. And so that's uh, the analysis that people ought to be bringing. And it's not just a situation of black people killing black. I believe this idea of um, black and black crime. That's uh, that's something that's um, you know presented in a way to to make people say, oh, let's leave those people alone, and uh, you know they're killing each other, and they're not worthy of um, being engaged. You know, we're going to have to close here, and I want to remind people that are listening here in the Bay Area uh, that you know this conversation will continue on Africa Today with Walter Turner, and you'll go and deeper more with politics. But I wanted to give people a little bit of an intro here. But as we uh, uh, close out, uh, you know, for Ben, and we have like less than two minutes, can you, you know, tell us, uh, you know, who, who, you know, with all the organizing that you guys are doing, who are you battling right now? Who, who is the, the target and how can people help? Eh bien, nous luttons pour la liberté, pour la justice et la paix au Congo et partout en Afrique. We're fighting for liberty, justice and peace um, throughout the African continent. Et ce que les gens peuvent aider, c'est euh, aider, par exemple, matériellement avec euh, les cell phones, les laptops, euh, les Blackberry. Um, People can help us with uh, organizing tools such as cell phones, uh, laptops, uh, Blackberries. Uh, there are many of them here in the U.S. You can send them to us. OK, c'est tout. Et il y a juste deux genres de personnes qui peuvent faire ce genre de travail, de, donc qui peuvent offrir ce genre de soutien-là. Uh, we, people can offer their, um, their solidarity and this kind of support, uh, material support, um, moral support, and financial support. And I can elaborate on that a little bit, um, uh, Dave D. Uh, for people, uh, one of the big things around the Congo and Africa is for folks to talk about what's happening. Like you providing us a platform to talk about it is really important because a lot of things that trans Fire happen um, in silence, and able to a lot of folks are able to get away with what's um, going on there because it's not talked about. So, whoever has a platform, um, invite us on, talk about what's happening, seek us out for information. So that's one big way that they can um, that they can help. The second big way is connecting directly with the youth on the ground and providing uh, solidarity and support. Like folks organized to go to Palestine, uh, folks can organize to go to Congo. Uh, a few years ago, and it's not that it's not dangerous. A few years ago, we brought apple juice. Kid um, and Pierce Freelon from uh, North Carolina, and they went to Congo to teach young people uh, beat making skills. Uh, it was covered by um, by PBS. So uh, we come to the Congo, connect with the youth, 
uh, hit us up on uh, on social media. You know, the, with the Telema hashtag uh, at Congo Friends on social media, and uh, invite us into your communities. Uh, connect with the young people on uh, uh, in the Congo, and you can connect with them through uh, through Friends of the Congo. And lastly, what's the connection between uh, what you all are doing with, say, what is going on in South America and amongst our brown brothers and sisters? Oh, uh, thank you for asking that question. Um, uh, there's a long tradition, uh, from uh, especially coming out of Cuba, of uh, Latin America connecting with uh, with a, with a continent. Uh, right now, in 2015, um, is the launch of uh, the decade of the Afro-descendant, uh, which is uh, a follow-up uh, to the year of the Afro-descendant uh, that occurred in 2011, uh, which we participated in um, in the conference in in Venezuela. Uh, so we're looking to um, to Latin America for solidarity as well. Uh, for uh, Latin Americans, uh, as you know, at the base of the culture in Latin America is African. Uh, so as a part of our tour, don't, not only do we go to the come to the U.S. and Europe, but we also go to Latin America, to Venezuela and Costa Rica, and all really um, striving to unify the African world, to let people know that our struggle is one, it's the same. The same corporations that are exploiting in the, in the Congo are also exploiting uh, the, the Colombians in the Choco region, in the, in the Pacific region of, of Colombia. So we have the same enemies, uh, we have the same fight, and uh, we need to unify in solidarity, whether it's in Latin America, uh, whether it's in the United States, the African continent, because um, black lives matter. There you go. Ben, uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And uh, Maurice, thank you thank so much. You, thank you. We're going to take a break here on Hard Knock Radio. We'll be right back.
know you love KBOO's programming. But did you know you can help inform decisions about new programs on KBOO, support evaluating shows to ensure programming excellence, as well as help process feedback about shows from our listeners? Well, you can when you join the KBOO Programming Advisory Committee. All you need to be is a KBOO member. Attend monthly meetings on the second Tuesday of each month at 6 p.m. at KBOO and commit five hours a month to work on committee-related tasks. The Programming Advisory Committee works alongside KBOO programming staff to live out our programming charter. You can find out more at kboo.fm forward slash committees. See you the second Tuesday of each month at 6 p.m. KBOO needs you.